This is James Coover with K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District with your Extension Crop Report. Any job is best done with properly maintained equipment. Over the next year, likely half of your crop inputs are going to come out of the same sprayer and possibly the same nozzles. That's a lot of money and reliance on one machine. And now is a good time to make sure it is calibrated correctly. A properly calibrated sprayer not only ensures the correct amount of application and ensures better weed control, but it can also save money as well. The first step in sprayer calibration is to fill the sprayer with clean water. You'll likely get some water on you in the process, so make sure the sprayer is clean. Check for leaks, working pressure gauges, and each nozzle is clean and working. Nozzle wear is hard to determine just by looking at it. If in doubt, you need to replace the nozzles. Flow rates increase with nozzle wear, so old nozzles are going to cost more in excessive applications. Step two is to make sure the ground speed is accurate to the tachometer. Run a distance at spraying speed and with a loaded sprayer and measure the time it takes and how far the sprayer went. Calculate it out to determine the ground speed. Don't forget that wheel slippage can read speeds faster than actual. Step three is determine spray volume at specific operating pressure. The nozzle manufacturing information should have flow rates based upon operating pressures to determine ounces of flow per minute for that nozzle. Step four is where you likely get your pants a little wet. Use a graduated cylinder or a catchment pitcher made for calibrating sprayers to collect one minute's worth of spray at a constant pressure designed for that nozzle. Record sprayed amounts for each nozzle. Step five is to determine the spray rate that would be applied to each acre. There are some phone app calculators for sprayer calibration to help with the calculation. If flow rates are off, then pressures need to be adjusted, and then step 4 repeated to check for spray amounts. As a general rule, it takes 10% less pressure to reduce spray amounts by 5%. If the flow rates are too far off, or the spray nozzles are inconsistent, indicating uneven wearing, then it might be time to replace the nozzles. Even the more expensive ceramic nozzles are cheaper to replace than just a small over-application over thousands of acres. Nozzles can be cleaned, but they cannot be repaired. And remember that a number of phone apps can help with the calibrations. Planters are calibrated in much the same way, except that it's counting seeds rather than collecting water. Calibrated planters to ensure the proper distance between the seeds and the number of seeds per acre has a direct benefit to yields and will likely save on seed cost. If there are any questions over sprayer or planter mechanics, I'd be happy to help how I can, but honestly, with all the different types of equipment, it's probably better to call your equipment dealer. I can help with calculations though, and there are a number of publications and YouTube videos. Give me a call at 620-724-8233. This has been James Coover with your Extension Crop Report. Next up, we'll have Wendy Powell, Livestock Production Agent for the Wildcat District. your livestock production agent for the Wildcat Extension District. All livestock producers face price risk, so most producers manage this risk, even if they don't have an explicit price risk management strategy. The three major strategies are self-insurance, marketing flexibility, and formal price risk management tools. More than one strategy can be used. The most fundamental price risk management strategy used by most cow-calf producers is self-insurance. While this might be perceived as not managing price risk, 
Any producer who continues a cow-calf operation after a low-income year has, indeed, managed their price risk. The primary method of self-insurance is income diversification, either through farm income variation or off-farm income or both. For example, a producer may produce crops and have a cow herd, with crop income typically being sufficient to absorb losses for low calf prices and potentially vice versa. Similarly, a producer or their business partner may work off-farm. In addition to the advantage of access to more affordable health insurance, off-farm income can probably cover living expenses during low price years. A potential disadvantage is that the opportunities for herd expansion and time spent on management may be limited. A second strategy is marketing flexibility. This includes both the type of market and the timing of marketing, niche and value-added markets, such as direct marketing, as well as arrangements with breeders, processors, or a feed yard are examples of types of markets that can be part of a price risk management strategy. More specifically, a relationship with the feed yard might result in a more predictable price than a commercial livestock auction. Some producers also use the timing of selling calves to manage price risk. For example, a producer might feed calves for a few more months after weaning in hopes of stronger markets in the late fall or early winter. All of these marketing strategies have the advantage of shielding a producer from price risk in commercial markets. However, these strategies are not fail-proof or without risk. No market is guaranteed or prices might not increase enough to cover additional feed or other costs. The third strategy is using formal price risk management tools, specifically hedging or insurance. Both hedging, known as futures markets or options, and insurance, livestock risk protection, allow a producer to protect themselves against unexpected declines in market price. These strategies require some upfront costs and an investment of time into learning about the commodity markets. An advantage is that they can protect a producer who is expanding or highly leveraged or otherwise would be hurt by a decline in expected prices. Cow-calf producers use various price risk management strategies that are tailored to their individual situation and needs. For more information, give me a call at the Labette County Extension Office, 620-784-5337. Thanks, Wendy. And now, here's David Scrantz, Natural Resource and Diversified Ag Agent, with her report. This is David Scrantz, one of the Agriculture and Natural Resource Agents from the K-State Research and Extension Wildcat District of Crawford, Labette, Montgomery, and Wilson Counties, with your K-State Research and Extension report. If you are considering planting a winter food plot, knowing the nutrient levels of the soil before planting will help you determine if you need to add fertilizer to the soil or not. Correct soil sampling in the field is essential for an accurate soil test and consequently for an optimum nutrient management program. To obtain a proper collection, there are a few guidelines to follow. Start with the right equipment. You will need a sampling tube, auger, spade, and a clean bucket. In addition, a few plastic bags or soil collection bags obtained from your local extension office will be needed to put the collected soil in. 
Map it out. Draw a map of the sample area and divide it into uniform areas. Each area should have the same soil texture, color, slope, and fertilization and cropping history. Start sampling. For the standard pH, buffer pH, P and K test, sample 6 inches deep and take 10 to 15 cores or slices from each area. Moving in a zigzag across the area will help to get a more representative sample. Mix thoroughly in a clean bucket. Fill your soil collection bags from this mixture, making sure that there are about 2 cups of soil in a bag. For available nitrogen chloride or sulfur tests, Take the same number of cores, but a subsoil sample to a depth of 24 inches is necessary. It is also important to note that if a zinc test is requested, use a plastic bucket for soil collection as a galvanized or rubber materials may contaminate the results. Places to avoid. Avoid taking samples from old fence rows dead furrows, low spots, feeding areas, or other areas that might give unusual results. If information is desired from these unusual areas, obtain a separate sample from that area. Label. Be sure to label the soil container clearly. Record the sample identification on the container and the information sheet. Keep records as to where the soil samples were taken and the name that was given for each sample. Send samples. Once the soil is collected from the desired areas, take the samples to your local K-State Research and Extension Office. They will forward the samples to the K-State Soil Testing Laboratory to be analyzed. Generally expect results back within two weeks. Also, if taking soil samples on a regular basis, be sure to collect samples during the same time of year since nutrient levels vary in different times of the year. This will allow you to compare results from year to year. From the K-State Research and Extension Wildcat District, this has been a Dave Strance with your K-State Research and Extension Report. Thank you, Adavin. And now, here is Jesse Gilmore with his report. With K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District, this is Jesse Gilmore bringing you this week's edition of the Hort Report. Floral bouquets are a welcome gift this time of year. All bouquets will eventually die, but the following tips can help lengthen the life of your arrangement. First, cut the stems of the bouquet as soon as you get them. Plants clot wounds much in the same way our immune systems do, so making a fresh cut will break the plug and allow water to be taken up by the stem to delay wilting. You should also use a sharp knife instead of scissors if possible. Cutting the stem with scissors will pinch the tissue shut at the base, making it harder for water to be taken up by the stem. Only one inch of the stem should be taken off with any single cut. Additionally, the cut should be made while the stem is underwater. When the cut is made, air will rush into the stem to fill the area of lower pressure. By cutting the stem underwater, water will flow into the stem instead of air and give you a head start on prolonging the life of your arrangement. Flowers come in two forms, arrangements and loose stems. There are several additional steps to care for loose stem bouquets that you won't have to worry about if you're buying a pre-made arrangement. The most important is plant food. Typically, loose stem bouquets will come with plant food to add to the eventual container, whereas arrangements will already have plant food added to the water of the container they come in. 
If you can't get your loose-stemmed bouquet into your food solution right away, store the flowers in a cool place. When it's time to put them in their new home, follow the directions on the plant food package to make the nutrient solution. Prep the flowers by cutting the stems as described previously, and remove any leaves that will be below the waterline to inhibit bacterial growth. Flowers that come as arrangements will already have this done, taking a lot of the work out of keeping your flowers healthy. Flowers that have wilted may have plugged its previous cut up again and will need a new cut to draw up more water. To prevent wilting, keep the flowers in a cooler area away from ceiling fans, vents, direct sunlight, and radiators. This will reduce the water loss from the flowers through transpiration. Water should be replaced at least once every other day and immediately when the water becomes cloudy. If the flowers still wilt, make a fresh cut at the base of the stem to allow for the uptake of more water. Increasing humidity in the room where the bouquet is stored will also prolong the flowers as plants lose less water in high humidity environments. If flowers continue to wilt, even in this environment, they may be exposed to too much ethylene gas, which will shorten the lifespan of the flowers. Move the bouquet away from any fruits or vegetables they might be nearby, and make sure furnaces and fireplaces are venting properly to minimize exposure to the ethylene. For more information on today's topic, contact your local Extension office. I can be reached at 620-724-8233 or by email at jr637 at ksu.edu. Once again, this has been Jesse Gilmore bringing you this week's Court Report. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you for listening to K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District Ag Team on KGGF 690 Radio.